Ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. Another day, another episode. This is the Core Report. Black Broadway presents the Core Report. You know what we do? We do the news. We bring it to you every day, live from Washington D.C., uh, Babylon Central. And yeah, it's uh, going down, guys. It is out of control, man. We got a lot of stories to cover today. A lot of things to touch on, but. Definitely a main central theme of this particular show and this particular episode. Thank you so much to all the people that have been tuning in to us across all the platforms from all the cities and states and continents. Your feedback is welcomed and appreciated. Yo, all the Facebook messages, the Instagram, the, you know, any and everything, emails, all of that is loved and appreciated and we want to address and further investigate a lot of the things that you guys are into, concerned about, and the things that you see happening in your locales. So we got to touch on all of that, man. Like I said, tons of stories today, everything from this local jurisdiction's highlight, and which was turned out to be the nation's highlight today, the meetings on the Hill with uh, Attorney General Bill Barr. We'll talk about how that went. Of course, protests going on all across the country. California is a particular hot spot. Touch on that a little bit. 45 and unlimited shenanigans there. We got to talk about D.C. There's some very interesting things going on in D.C. surrounding education. Of course, we got international stories. We got business. We got these sports because this is not looking great, gang. And, uh, yo, we got to talk about this dumbass video. We got to. It's important. It's important that we have this discussion as a community of people who really care about you know, misinformation and the misuse and the mishandling of information and how egregious that can be and how damaging that can be for all of us, man. It's out of control, man. We're going to touch on it, yo. But let's go ahead and start, like I said, in Capitol Hill, in Northeast, Northwest, Southeast, Southwest, all of that, the smack dab in the middle of the city. It was a shit show today, man. The Attorney General, the sitting Attorney General, Bill Barr, who's been attorney general before, which is weird because I didn't know that you could do that. He was the attorney general under Bush, I believe. And now he's back as the attorney general under Trump. I didn't know you could hold this office twice, but apparently you can. Which goes to show you that all the rules is capped. It's nonsense either way. He was on the Hill today uh, in uh, one of the new committee rooms that they built. It's all very interesting. When I worked on the Hill, it didn't look like that. But... The committee rooms, the new committee rooms that they built, they had him testifying in a farce of a hearing. He wasn't there to answer any questions in earnest. And the people on the Democratic side of the table were not there in earnest to ask him questions. There was a lot of grandstanding. There was a lot of point making. There were a lot of comparisons drawn. But there was not a lot of new information gained from this whole entire thing. One of the highlights of the whole entire thing is uh, Representative J. Powell, who is a member of Congress. She's of Indian descent. I forget what she represents. But she pointed out the extreme hypocrisy in Bill Barr's response to the armed protest in Michigan about, quote unquote, personal freedom and mask wearing and the state's. Uh, oppressive restrictions and stay-at-home orders. These people were armed. These people had Confederate flags, which has already been universally understood as a hate symbol. They had swastikas, which is fully understood as a universal hate symbol. And they were armed. And they were at 
the governor's, the government, the seat of government for the state of Michigan stopping government business. The response to that was so different from the response that we are dealing with right now to unarmed, peaceful protesters not bearing symbols of hate, not coming to stop the government from doing anything rather than requesting the armed forces of the government, the police, stop brutalizing them. The response is ridiculous. I would highly suggest you watch that three-minute clip of Representative J. Powell getting her grandstand moment. And that ultimately is what these hearings are. That is what people do participate in these hearings for. That is why people are on these committees, so that when they have a witness like this in front of them, they can hopefully have a moment that goes viral or that's made for TV. It makes them look good with their constituents, and boom, they get elected for another election cycle. This is all a game. Politicians are not investigative reporters. They're not me. They're not going to ask the attorney general the questions that someone like me or someone, anyone who is interested in justice would ask this person. They're not going to do that. They're there to ask very pointed questions to which they have a very dedicated set of answers they would like to hear. If they don't hear those answers, they will cut this person off and they will proceed to make their point with the time they've been allotted by the rules. I know the rules. I know all about the the rules of order, the parliamentary procedures of yielding time and passing time. That's another reason why these things are so painful, because when you watch the Democratic side pretend to ask questions of the person who is obviously not there to answer questions, you also have to watch the Republican side just spoon feed this person any information or any prompts possible to make them look as good as possible and to make the opposition look as ridiculous and as condescendingly farcical as possible, as unfair as possible. On the House side, they like to paint it as unfair because they see the Democrats as having their advantage. Before we get too deep in the weeds with all of that, I'm just telling you it was a shit show. At the end of the day, it was not a real representation of democracy or a real inquest of somebody who's rapidly becoming a villain for the American people. Don't get it fucked up. That was crazy. Anyway, that guy had a great time doing that. He enjoyed it. On the other side of the Capitol building, or rather, should I say, in another House committee room, there was a National Guard major by the name of Adam DeMarco who was testifying to what he saw in the Lafayette Park incident where Trump famously walked in front of the church, which is now a full-blown encampment, and put up, you know, the Bible and said, you know, law and order, whatever, whatever. To stage that photo op, pepper gas, I mean, pepper spray, tear gas, flashbangs, and extreme force was used to move these people from out of Lafayette Park. The one of the National Guard majors who was assigned to that detail he said he saw no violence occurring. He saw this whole entire operation as an unprovoked attack on peaceful protesters. And he came to Congress to say that. This is a National Guardsman. This is somebody who has been tasked with being called into these situations in an emergency in America. Crazy, scary, wild times, man. Don't get it messed up, too. That's why they have to stop depending on the National Guard. The National Guard is just cats like you and I and our friends, our neighbors, these people who are customs border patrol agents, ICE agents, Homeland Security agents, federal police, they've been radicalized. And just 
Understand what that means and peep that out and think about that. They've been radicalized. They've been trained. They've been indoctrinated and they've been radicalized. They're going to move against their fellow citizens when instructed by the powers that control them. Scary times, yo, for real. We in California right now. We're moving throughout the protest unit. You got to talk about the movement in California. It's so multifaceted. It's, of course, the largest state in the union, population-wise, not quite land-wise, but one of the larger ones land-wise, population-wise, definitely. All the people in California, the effects of COVID-19 on this economy put people under extreme pressure. The police brutality and systemic racism of California having the largest penal system puts people under extreme pressure. People have been seeing this play out for decades in this state, and they're just tired. Today, the protest made its way to the governor's mansion in California, yo. Hey, what you say? This, hold up, bro. What you say? This cannot be happening in oral history of 48 surreal, violent, biblical minutes in Washington. It's, yo, that's crazy. Okay. Oh, wow. I got to check that out. Thank you for passing that information along, man. It's an article in the Washington Post called This Can't Be Happening, an oral history of 48 surreal, violent, biblical minutes in Washington, D.C. That's what's up. We got to pass that information along, man. In California, like I said, these protesters are chaining themselves to the governor's mansion. 14 people were arrested. They're demanding the release of all prisoners, all the political prisoners, all the people who are especially vulnerable to COVID. San Quentin Prison alone has marked its 19th death from coronavirus during this whole entire pandemic and throughout the state's penal system, there are over a thousand people infected. It's crazy. And the and this country locks up over two million people. So just think, like 20 dead, over a thousand infected in just one state's penal system. Bro, this is a microcosm of a petri dish of what is what could become this whole entire country. It's wild. And in the meantime, in between time, the police are still worried about control. So the San Francisco Police Department has now back ordered all of the downtown business camera districts, all of the cameras, excuse me, in the downtown business district to turn in the footage that they had gathered during prior protests so that they can identify protesters, perhaps go after people to prosecute them for burning and destroying federal or government property. All of this is insanity, and yet protests continue all across the world. If the point of this level of enforcement is to get people or inspire people to abide by the law more, it seems to be having the exact opposite effect. And anybody who has eyes and is able to observe crowd sizes will be able to see that. So if anything, this is not de-escalating the problem. This is escalating it. And I don't know if ultimately that's what they want because they feel like they can win a battle of physical escalation, but a battle of Cultural escalation, I don't think they're prepared for what that looks like and what that means moving forward for the United States of America. People are really upset, man. People are fed up. People are tired of this nonsense, man. It's crazy because uh, every day, man, like I said, I watch a lot of this shit so y'all don't have to, man. 45, he comes out with his coronavirus task force meetings now once again every day because according to the polling, people missed it. People felt more informed or at least more in the loop when they were being communicated in that way every day from the highest office in the land what their view or their overview of the coronavirus 
pandemic was. That meetings became a farce. Everything, everybody knew that this was just shenanigans. They stopped. He brought it back, but the form that he brought it back in is not the form that it left in. Right now, it's just him up there making outlandish claims all day, every day. He went, he, the coronavirus pandemic response in Washington, D.C. and in America is by far the worst in the world. My man Blow, shout out to you out there in Korea. This man has ran down in detail his quarantine process, how much it cost, how efficiently it was carried out by the Korean government and by the Korean health authorities. And now my man is out here eating kimchi, living his best life, doing his thing, drinking wild Korean brews, having a great time, wearing his mask, being responsible, all of that, because he's not in a shithole country where people have a terrible and very selfish and myopic view of managing this virus. However, 45, when he gets to talking or gets questions about these things, he either gives very vague answers or gets extremely defensive. One thing he did take time out of his day to do today was defend this absolutely ridiculous, and yes, I said that shit is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous video that's been floating around the internet all day, and that's what really this whole episode is about, that dumbass video. Let me get through these headlines here, and I'm really going to get into how stupid that fucking video was and how everybody should really reevaluate their level of comprehension for even thinking that there was some legitimacy there. But let's not go there yet. Let's just talk about how when Caitlin uh, McPherson from CNN asked him about that, he gave some very defensive bullshit answer and then ended the press conference right there. That was it. This, this video has been removed from Twitter, removed from Facebook. It got his son's uh, Twitter suspended temporarily. I believe, you know, of course, they'll let DJT true, uh, tweet again and say more false, misleading shit. But they suspended him, I guess, in a, as a reprimand earlier. The doctor who has been espousing all of this had all of her material taken down from Facebook and a few other online platforms. And the president is still at this late time in the evening after all of this information has surfaced, which was easily vettable, by the way. After all this information is surfaced, he's still holding on to this. And you still have to ask yourself why or what this means. Not only is the president holding on to it, I see this shit still getting tweeted and reposted a lot on my Instagram timelines too. And we really gotta touch on why people think it's not, one, okay to share information that, that is, that's that volatile and that's hot without vetting it. And two, why people believe what they don't really and truly understand or have a true desire to understand. As long as what's being said somewhat aligns with what they value or believe, they will retweet it, they will endorse it, and they will claim it to be true from the highest of heights. But yo, reading is fundamental, and we're going to really get into that. That's very, very important, yo. Meanwhile, he's having this silly-ass conversation about this video, which is absolute silliness, ridiculousness, Guess what else is happening? The Republicans and the Democrats on the House are still at a stalemate when it comes to the coronavirus relief package. 
All the things we talked about yesterday, the $1,200, the uh, lowered stimulus payments of from 600 to 200 the Democrats have decided that's a non-starter. That's not even negotiable. We're not even going to talk about that. It's crazy because my wife's been getting the unemployment benefit. That's the first thing she said. Like, that's that's different. We can't go from this to that. That's I'm like, wow, I just don't know. I'm just trying to hustle and stay alive. But... What I understand is 600 is definitely different from 200, and there has to be some form of compromise made here, or else we are going to see an economic collapse, which is going to lead to immediate civil unrest. When people's pockets are instantly impacted, especially after being promised something, being let on, you'll see immediate results. And I think all the powers that be are aware of that. So I'm very confident that there will be a deal worked out before August recess approaches because if there's, I, as a veteran of the House and the U.S. Senate, I can tell you, if they're not serious about anything else on Capitol Hill, they are serious about August recess, buddy. We are going home during the month of August. None of them are going to do anything that is going to cause them to have to work in Washington, D.C. during the month of August. So something will get worked out. We'll see how it goes, man. But, yo, like the Democrats say, man, I can't do the two. We, we cannot do the two. So we're going to figure something out, but we can't do the two. I respect it. I respect it. You know what I'm saying? That's real shit. So let's talk about D.C. for a minute, man. The District of Columbia, we got a few things going on in the District of Columbia, man. We talk about police violence a lot. We talk about overt police violence. Let's talk about some casual police violence that happens way more often than we would like to admit, and it's disturbing. Uh, a 62-year-old woman was hit by a D.C. police department car and killed over the last week. Just came out. They just identified this lady. I don't have. I don't want to, you know, put her identifying details on there. I think it's more important as the story goes to relate that this was an unhoused individual. She was 62 years old, and in the heat of the night during some wild MPD police chase adventures, she lost her life by getting struck by a police car. Protect and serve. You know what I'm saying? If you're protecting and serving, one thing that you should really be protecting and serving is keeping 62-year-old women from having to sleep outside. If you're a cop, I you know, whatever, though. Again, a lot of people want to pretend like the cops are out here chasing bad guys and they're catching murderers and thieves and shit. That's, we all know, if we live anywhere in proximity to the hood, that that's not how it works. People get killed and the police show up after. They don't stop people from killing people. And unfortunately, in Washington, D.C., with the surge in summertime gun violence, which is predictable, you know, you can count on that shit. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of more increased police activity. And that leads to accidents and tragedies like that. But the most important thing on a lot of people's minds, I know damn sure my mind as a Washingtonian, is what's popping with these schools, man? What is going on with school in D.C. for the upcoming school year? Here's the answer. Schools are rushing to get their online curriculums together. They're, they're really under pressure. They're busting their heads to get their online curriculums together because right now they need to start at the very basic level of this. Like Teachers are slightly equipped to handle this. Teachers did their best at the end of last year, and now just with being adults and understanding the new reality, 
they're, you know, trying to adjust the best way they can. I've seen people who I know who are counselors, who are teachers, they're getting into their kind of, you know, that pregame mentality that you got to start getting into to go teach these kids like they've been doing every year. But um, D.C. schools right now are pushing to really get these, the hardware distributed, get these computers out to children. There's so many kids in D.C. who don't have computers, who don't have high-speed internet, who don't have access to these things. To be exact, to put some numbers on it for you, just so it makes a little more sense. In Washington, D.C. proper, 20,278 children come from homes, according to the survey that DCPS did, come from homes that don't have high-speed internet. And that's just high-speed internet. We're just talking about high-speed internet, like Wi-Fi that you can access that has a modem in your house. You know what I'm saying? Out of those 20,000 children, 15,639 of those are black kids. 15,000 of them. You know what I'm saying? So that's just let's just keep it a buck. That just lets you know that the black kids in D.C. public schools who don't, the people who don't have... High-speed internet in D.C. public schools are black kids and Latino kids, 2,863 of them. So if you do the math real quick, that's about 18,000 out of the 20,000. So I don't know where these other white kids or perhaps kids of other uh, ethnicity come from, but I'm sure that if you went to D.C. public schools like I can, you can fully relate to these statistics. Here's the other statistics. Out of all of these kids, it's the year of our Lord, 2020. There are 8,685 D.C. public school children who don't have a computer at all. They don't have a computer. Out of all of those kids, 6,545 of those kids are black in real life. 1,358 of those kids are Latinx. That's 7,000. That's almost all of them. I don't even see kids from other, literally, there was a couple of hundred left. You know, I'm not really super swift with the numbers, but all I know is 6,005 plus 1,003 equals 7,007. So, uh, pardon me, eight. So, I don't know where these other two kids are, but it's out of control. This is the statistics. This is what we're up against right now. And it's funny because me and my wife was talking about this before I did the show. When you really look at it, a lot of people don't have internet when you really look around the hood and you think about it. You think about music, streaming, streaming music. I'm, I'm one of those people, yeah, I got all the streaming services. I had Apple, Tidal, Spotify, all of that shit, right? And those are bills that people in the hood definitely don't need to be or want to be paying. But you know what ain't a bill? YouTube. Who's the number one music artist on YouTube. Who's the number one? Who the hood know that they can listen to anytime, all the time on YouTube? NBA Youngboy. Listen. NBA Youngboy, they, they wrote an article about this young man in Forbes, in Billboard, in all of these publications about his domination of the YouTube charts. And you know who's right behind him? Kevin Gates. Listen. If that doesn't tell you the demographic of people that are listening to music on YouTube, then I don't know what does. And I'm going to tell you why those people are listening to music on YouTube. Because they don't have fucking digital streaming platforms. And NBA Youngboy and Kevin Gates and all of those other dudes, they keep the content so fresh and so going. This kid's 17 years old. He got like 
I don't know how old he is. He ain't 17, but he a little, he's not old. And this kid got like 15 albums. This this dude has like 15 albums. He's I don't know how old this kid is. He is a constant stream of content based and the algorithms that they get these they, these kids. Once they see that your Obama phone is tuned, in, once they see that your Xbox is on YouTube for seven, eight hours a day, bruh, you're getting streamed all of this. You're getting all of this. All of this brand new. You're getting this breakfast club. You're getting this baller alert. You're getting these ads for this bullshit that we want to sell you. Yo, it's control. And People not having access to internet for educational purposes is unacceptable. But guess what? It's acceptable to them because what's unacceptable for real to them is people not having access to internet for advertisement purposes. So we can't, you mean we can't sell these people shit because they don't have internet? Oh, no, no, no. Let's make that doable on the phone. Let's, whatever they got to do, get the YouTube ads rocking. No. They, they need to be reached. That's the demographic that needs to be sold to. Damn, it'd be a young boy, 20. You know what I'm saying? Soldier Boy just turned 30. Shout out to Soldier Boy. <laughs> Soldier Man out here now, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but back to education, just to wrap up DC real neatly, too. Uh, GW, 100% online this fall. 100% online this fall. The nation's most expensive public university, 100% online this fall, and they want all their chips. I was listening to NPR recently where there was a parent of GW who was suing because he felt like he shouldn't have to pay the full tuition because they're not getting the full experience, you know? Like, all this shit online, like, no, nah, my daughter's not up there. She's not in Washington, D.C. living the life that she's supposed to be living. Hey, GW was like, fuck you. Pay me. Run my chips, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Harvard feels the same way. All of these other institutions of higher learning, they feel the exact same way. They're not going to allow you to feel like you could just slide off without, you know, paying for the full education just because we give it to you online. You still log in there, kid. So, you know, crazy craziness. Business is business. Money is money. As I always say, man. Speaking of business and business and money being money, yo, Target and Walmart are actually deciding to close this year on Thanksgiving, which means one of the most vital things that we've come to associate with the holidays, which is Black Friday, which was always ridiculous to me, which always felt like an indicator of feel, uh, a, a litmus test of a sick society, yo. We are sick out here that we are actually out here busting down doors on goddamn Thanksgiving <laughs> right after we ate to come out here and, you know, spend this money with Target and Walmart. But apparently because of COVID-19 and also just because of general economic malaise, people don't have it like that to kick down the door at Target in the year of our Lord 2020. So holiday season going to look real different. It's no Black Friday from these two major retailers. We'll see who else steps into that whole entire fray. Business is business, money is money, as I always say. Guys and girls, guess who turned out to be the one of the largest contributors to the large police unions and police foundations across America? Fossil fuel corporations. Yes, Exxon, BP, Shell, Citgo, all of these corporations. Why are they dumping thousands, millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars into local, state and local police operations? Hmm. You think that would be because they understand that as the rich, they 
and their assets and their holdings will be some of the first things to be attacked. Some of the first things on the target for redistribution, for, you know, economic, you know, uh, or state control or people control, whatever. You know, these people are definitely afraid of communism. And all communism means in a very strict, you know, just uh, linguistic sense of the word is community control. Like, controlled by the community, by the commune, by the common. You know what I'm saying? We're rocking with this representative democracy, which is not really representative. It's only representative in name. However, we've been sold the dream and we love it so much. And another part of being sold the dream is being sold the nightmare. So if there's a if there's a good guy, there has to be a bad guy. So communism and the idea of communalism and spreading things evenly is the enemy here. So the fossil fuel corporations who have the most to gain by keeping that idea in heavy circulation are big funders of the police. We know. Thanks, guys. You know, so I'd be like, again, are you dumb? We, we we're pretty aware of this, but. You know, as the money, as the world turns, as the money turns, a lot of people think the money is in certain places, but it's not. Jeff Bezos, just for a little perspective on this next story, over the course of 24 hours during the pandemic, Jeff Bezos and his combined companies made $13 billion in a 24-hour time span. During this pandemic right now, during the, the first six months, of 2020, the LVMH is experiencing an extreme downturn in revenues and fortunes. Right now, the LVMH, and if you don't know who the LVMH is, it's the Louis Vuitton, Moat, and Hennessy Group, all right? Bernard Arnault is the president of that. That's somebody who Kanye was rocking around jerking off a couple of years, months, weeks ago, whatever, talking about he wanted to be like him, he wanted to be rich like him. You know, these are the people who own a very large portion of the brands that exist in the quote-unquote luxury segment of the market. They own a lot of the brands that exist in the, uh, you know, skincare, eye care, all of that. Of course, these high-end alcohol brands, they're very heavily involved with. And, you know, it's a historic thing. They've been around for hundreds of years. They're a conglomerate. 37% down. 37% down in the first half of 2020. Their entire take is estimated at, which the experts thought would be lower, $1.6 billion. So when people swear that all this money is being spent with these luxury houses and so on and so forth, when you really put that shit into perspective, it's a drop in the bucket of the amount of money that's being spent in the real world in things like land, in things like guns, and things like vehicles. Real shit. You know what I'm saying? People only, only people who want to play spend a lot of money in luxury. It's just like casinos. Casinos make way more. Anyway, down one point, down 37% with the LVMH. But you have to realize that also within this 1.6 billion, this is better than anticipated. Why? Because of a strong rebound from where? China. China buys all of this stuff. Chinese billionaires and billionaires and oligarchs and the people who have just recently been culturally exposed to capitalism consume 
so much more of these luxury goods than the American market would ever understand. We are not responsible for the success of Louis Vuitton, Moet, and Hennessy. We are not responsible for the success of Gucci, Balenciaga, any of these brands. Most of these brands fall under that group. They're the uh, Gucci group, there's another group that owns those particular brands. But I digress. Saying all that to say, business is business, money is money, gang. Sports is always a thing because sports is business and sports is money. The WNBA, which, you know, they don't never get the props that they deserve as a league full of women who just go hard, man. Like, they had to go hard in their life to play basketball. They had to go hard in their life to be who they want to be. So a lot of them, you know, or some of them, you know, as far as, you know, their sexuality, as far as their just preference for their lifestyle and how, who they want to be seen as in this patriarchal society. So people don't get a WNBA enough props. They go hard. And the WNBA, a lot of the players in the WNBA, being women, being generally smarter than men anyway, uh, are deciding to opt out, man. And, you know, they don't get paid a whole bunch of money anyway. Kyrie Irving, during the early parts of this pandemic, even when they were negotiating the deal with the NBA and all of that, he was like, look, man, I'm only one of the I'm one of the only 30, 40 guys out here that's getting paid anyway. So let's stop acting like, you know, this is some type of thing where everybody's going to make a whole bunch of money. And the other guys who aren't getting paid like me, they're going to go back because they want that money. So you already know this is a foregone conclusion. I don't even know why you asking me shit. I'm not playing, period. End of story. Kyrie Irving took a stand, decided what he was going to decide, and he rocked with that. He also did something that real guys do, stand-up move. He established a $1.5 million fund for WNBA players who should choose to make the same you know, stand and make the same decision and decide that they don't want to risk their health in order to play a game to be not even barely compensated for. Shout-out to Kyrie Irving, man. That's official. Meanwhile, the MLB is fucking this whole thing up, man. They're, they, first of all, the MLB is traveling. That's ignorant. That's not intelligent. Why are you guys going from state to state, city to city with a traveling circus of corona? It's not even that many people in the air every on a day-to-day -day basis to have whole baseball teams flying during a whole fucking season. That just, that's ignorant in and of itself. Then you know people are going to have incidences where they test positive. Now, thank you. <laughs> now you know why people are having incidences where they're testing positive. And, of course, dugouts, the staff, the, the field staff, all of that is now vulnerable to be infected. So, of course, people don't want to come to your stadium to play where somebody who just had 13 guys that were infected were sitting on these benches just that night, just touching all of these pieces of equipment, these rails. It's insanity. It's the stupidest thing, and it's really showing people how ignorant at how dumb this pursuit of sports is like yo why do we want games back that bad man like i said the nba bubble is weak it's not like it's not lit there's nothing live about it to me i mean seeing Bron dunk on people is cool but it's not as cool as seeing jack nicholson sitting there while he's doing it you know what i'm saying it's not as cool as hearing the rumble of the whole entire stadium none of that's going to work all the people want to do is make money off of these people yo 
All they're trying to do, like I said, again, is make money. The NFL just decided to cancel its preseason. So, again, amidst all the NFL players opting out day after day, like I told you about players from the Cowboys, Skins, Ravens, and Chiefs yesterday opting out, we have more players from the Titans to all over the league getting out of here. Thank you. Hey, yo, Dante, the bubble is weak. Listen, and we... We in the basement watching mad NBA games for the whole of our lives. And this bubble shit is not where it's at. It's not the same thing, bro. And we don't want it. Like, if people are going to get sick, if people are risking their lives, man, yo, let's let's just, man, let's do this a little bit more responsibly. And to be quite honest, everybody ain't playing anyway, so this year got an asterisk on it. You can't win the championship anyway. I don't, I don't care. LeBron, you get this Lakers chip, it don't count. And I'm saying this as a Nick fan. You see what I'm out. You see what I'm about. I know we don't be winning, but it's okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Say Lou Will violated the bubble. I was talking about that yesterday. Lou Will was definitely wilding out in the bubble. I mean, but Magic City will prompt you to just make a quick move. I don't know how far Orlando is from Magic City, but I feel like a good sprinter ride, that could happen for me. You know what I'm saying? Yo, 45, I, just, I got to leave sports with this. 45 whole lied about being invited to throw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. How ridiculous is that? Like, to tell these kind of lies, it just shows this dude's lack of mental fitness to be in charge, man. I don't understand this. I can't I can't support anybody who even sees any kind of logic in 45 and what he thinks, says, or believes. Which leads me to what we came to fucking talk about here, gang. This goddamn video, man. I know y'all all saw the video. If you on this, if you on this, you know, live stream, this live feed for Africans, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, shouts to Dr. Umar, man. This, if you out here on this live stream, I know you see this bullshit where this young, this, this lady who's a, a, a black lady, that I, she's an African, an African, was standing in front, first clue that this shit was bogus, is where were they standing in front of, gang? They were standing in front of the fucking Supreme Court. Who stands in front of the Supreme Court with a medical coat on and gives a, a, a press conference of any importance? One, I'm not a dummy. I seen that off the break. I was skeptical. Secondly, she identified herself as, what'd she say? Magic City is six and a half hours away? Ah, oh, man, I needed that. You know, hey, look, I might can pull that off. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, back to this shenanigans, yo. This lady identified herself as Stella Emmanuel. She she said, I'm Dr. Emmanuel. And again, I didn't like that. Because who identifies themselves as doctor or such and such? That's some Simpsons shit. Uh, hi, Dr. Nick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's some Dr. Nick shit. So, again, that's my second red red flag on that. So... She's Stella Emanuel. Uh, she's a registered, she's a pediatrician. She's registered as general practitioner in uh, Houston, Texas. She's a native of Cameroon, but she got her medical license in Nigeria. She went to medical school, excuse me, in Nigeria. Again, all of these things are a quick, quick, quick Google away. This lady is fucking insane. She is a proponent of 
demons and she believes that sex uh, demons cause all kinds of gynecological disorders from endometriosis to cysts to infertility. She believes in alien sperm. She says that coronavirus is a weapon, you know what I'm saying, that is weaponized against, you know, whomever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, listen, go to thedailybeast.com and read about Dr. Stella Emanuel. It's a lot. It was so much that I was like, bro, I can't even. How did anybody how did anybody ever listen to anything that she said? This is how people listen to things she said. She stood there in front of the Supreme Court in what was called a white coat summit. This was organized by an organization. This was started by an organization called America's Frontline Doctors. America's Frontline Doctors are organized and funded by the Tea Party Patriots. The video that you saw that was being pushed around the internet as if it was fucking gospel, not only by the president, by a lot of black people who want to hear this type of shit. And when a black person says it, they swear that it's ridiculous. It's right. You know what I'm saying? This filmed and published by Breitbart which was formerly run by Steve Bannon, which is known as a arm of the right wing of white supremacy of people who have a certain brand of politics. This is their media arm. This is their chosen media outlet. Even more so than Fox, Breitbart is even more on the right, on the fringes, on the outside than Fox. As if to say, like, Democracy Now! is more on the fringes of the left side than CNN or MSNBC, just to bring some context to that comparison. Anyway, these are the people who put this out. They put this out. They made sure that the president and people that he supports amplified it, so much so that he, his son amplified it first, and then he chose to amplify it, and he's still amplifying it. He is still saying this. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, fuck that. You know, that's you know that could be anything. They, they could be saying anything about this lady. Whoop-de-whoop, blah, blah, blah. I challenge you to do the research, read what I've read, see the actual follow-up and the multiple reporting on this topic, and not come to the conclusion that at least a majority of the things being said are true. Yo, my wife said... The reason we went for the cap in the beginning is because the goddamn podium. They had a podium with microphones, and she said, hey, this this looks like the real deal to me. And that's what a lot of us, a lot of y'all, a lot of us, all of us, we operated on that type of time, man. They can stand in front of us and just look halfway legit, and we'll go for it. We will soak up all the misinformation possible if somebody puts on a white coat and stands in front of a white building, any old white building. When I saw that building in that uh, video, I was like, "That there's no other building that's that white. That's the Supreme Court, buddy. Why are we standing in front of the Supreme Court talking about medical issues if there's not a court case that's extremely relevant to that particular topic, which is not? There's nothing in front of the court about coronavirus yet. That hasn't happened. You know what I'm saying? So again, cap, cap, cap. Saw it coming. To counterpoint this, though, just to put a nice little bow on all of this, 
There's another video which I actually posted on my uh, Instagram in my stories with a guy who is out here uh, wearing a black wetsuit and he's talking about all. And this is courtesy of my brother Blow live from Seoul, Korea sent me this man. You know what I'm saying? Yo, this man, if you say do a show on political astroturfing, I will. Because these people are outlandish, yo. This whole entire thing is a comedy of errors. Anyway, this gentleman, he identified himself at the end of the video, which is another thing that was different about this video from the other video. The lady identified herself barely and very quickly at the beginning of the video. This gentleman made all the salient points that he wanted to make, and the journalist who interviewed him asked him his full name, spelled it, gave you his qualifications, so on and so forth. This gentleman's name is Roby Mitchell. He identified himself as a medical doctor, PhD. He's a guy who his particular outlook on these things is that coronavirus has, and our susceptibility to coronavirus has a lot more to do with our immune system and the amount of vitamins and minerals that we're intaking on a daily basis culturally, societally, and just habitually as people in order to have an immunity, not necessarily an immunity, but the sufficient antibodies to fight this particular infection. Dr. Roby Mitchell, I went and did the Googles on him too, because just because I liked what he was saying doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to just bite hook, line, and sinker and be like, oh, yeah, this this guy's the truth right here. Nah, man, I'm not that fucking kind of dummy. You know what I'm saying? And nobody should be in America, but that's where American schools have failed us. That's where our society has failed us. They made a whole bunch of believers, a whole bunch of gullible-ass people, and that's why people are easily indoctrinated. That's why politicians are so influential. Not even politicians, entertainers are influential enough to become politicians who actually wield real power. But anyway, I digress. My point is, I went and did the look on Roby Mitchell. Roby Mitchell is an interesting guy himself. He has not been cleared to practice medicine for the last 15 years. His medical license has been stripped because he apparently was involved in some research or experimenting with ketamine, yeah, that shit, the K-hole, <laughs> as a cure for autism. Again, that's something that is up for dispute within the realm of medical science, perhaps because the government or because narco organizations view this as a narcotic or a recreational drug. It's technically, an, um, an, what's the word I'm looking for, anesthetic. It puts people to sleep for surgeries and all types of other procedures. Some people found it and they abused it. He's suggesting that the same substance can be used to cure autism. He's not performing these experiments. He's just suggesting this. And because he suggested these things, because this was so radical and so out to the left for a lot of the medical community, he was stripped of his medical license. Now, this Emmanuel lady claimed that she's fighting for her medical license life. There's no truth to that. There's no proof of that. There's nobody out here like, yo, oh, man, yeah, she's definitely been in a long-time fight with the Board of Medicine. None of that. 
Fam, they took an idiot. They took a pawn. They took a patsy. And they elevated this person to so much importance in everybody's life that I'm spending here talking about fucking Stella Emanuel on a Tuesday night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know who the hell she was before today. And I could have gone a long time without that. But at the end of the day, I'm sitting here talking about her because she's been amplified by the highest levels of government. But in the most irresponsible way. Like I said, all of her... Her um, online imprint was wiped, disabled. So she can't even capitalize off of this shit for real. <laughs> She's just getting disgraced and getting used as a tool for nothing. Just like who, just like some other black women we're familiar with. Diamond and Silk. Yo, people always like my wife, again, saying this. I don't like that listen to black women shit. Oh, like, leave us alone. <laughs> I felt you on that, baby. Like, because they, they stay putting our women in these very vulnerable, precarious situations to espouse whoever's ideals. Like, they the, they the ideal spokesman. Like, when a black woman believe in you or believe in something, period, like, yo, you gonna believe in that shit, too. Because she's gonna give you the speech of life. You are gonna hear the motivation of life, yo. That's why we all love our mamas and all of that, man. When your mom got your back, you know what I'm saying? When a grandma got your back, whatever. Yo, you you feel invincible. You're unstoppable, you know? But uh, that's a superpower that it seems like sometimes the world be trying to use against black women, man. And I don't like to see it. Don't like to see it. I see this guy, Roby Mitchell. I hear what he was saying. I would advise anybody who listens to this show at this moment, like, to go onto my uh, Instagram and watch that video. It's not that long. It's about five minutes. The thing about that video that's challenging for a lot of people is there's some vocabulary words in there, guys. You're going to have to look a couple of things up. You're going to have to pause that for a minute and be like, wait a minute. Do I actually know what this man just said here? Am I familiar with the concepts that he's discussing here? Let me do some research, familiarize myself with this, and then come back to this. See, that's too much work. Niggas don't want to do that work. They don't want to do that work. They want to hear something that sounds like something that they can believe told by someone who they can believe is smarter than them, who has done all that work, so they can just say, ask them. He said it. That's lazy. That's lazy. It's intellectually dishonest, and it's not something that we need to make a habit of. Yo, this is America. This is 2020. This is us. We have access to mad information. We have the will, the desire to go get it. And not only that, we have the means to go get it, yo. I did a couple of Google searches that led me down a couple of rabbit holes of reading a few articles. I know a thing or two about a thing or two, so I, I question my sources. I'm not just going to read the first thing that pops up. Maybe I'm going to go down to the third thing. Maybe I'm going to compare that to the first thing. Yo, Hey, the wife is getting, we're getting white coats. As a matter of fact, maybe I would do this show. Maybe y'all would believe me more if I had on a white coat. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting a white coat, and we're doing the core report on the white coat status. That's what it is, you know? Because, again, man, like I said, that lady can stand in front of that podium and say all kind of bullshit, and y'all just eat it up. Ate it up. You know what I'm saying? And there are people every day standing outside on street corners. There are people every day doing podcasts, doing shows, just like I'm doing right now, sitting in their living room, sitting in front of a whole bunch of books that they read for real. You know what I'm saying? Talking things that they learned out of those books for real. But because they not, you know, popping class A Azul, they're not going to get the, the love. They're not going to get the attention. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not 
talking about partying and boats and hoes. You know, we're not going to do that. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, that's how the game go. You know, it's, look, there's no way to be a public intellectual in America and not be consistently frustrated. There's no way to be about learning in this country and not be an enemy of the state. Yo, this is an anti-intellectual society. We live in an anti-intellectual world. People do not like smart niggas, all right? Unless them smart niggas is backing up what the strong dudes are saying. Unless the smart niggas can help the gangsters get on, they're useless. You're asking questions. You're out here trying to figure out, you know, angles to improve people's lives, improve the populace's lives. Get out of here with that shit. All right? That's why people tend to gravitate towards these snake oil salesmen, these people who call things hoaxes, people who call things conspiracies consistently without necessarily any proof to the contrary or to the affirmative, just to be contrary, just to question. Because if you always have a question, then you'll never really be out here looking for answers. All these people are doing is looking for more questions. These are provocateurs. You know what I'm saying? Again, this is anti-intellectual. Intellectuals and scholars, we look for answers. I read something one day, I don't know who this quote is from, but the brother said, man, the only way to be a real public intellectual in America is to go to jail. That's the only way you can get a 20-year, or 5-year, or 10-year research project. You know what I'm saying? You're a ward of the state. You got a grant to, to study for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? If you want to look at it that way. You know what I'm saying? If you could isolate yourself from what society, what this capitalist society requires and demands from us constantly. But it's not about that for me. I think it's just about not divorcing yourself from the process of gathering information. A lot of us have divorced ourselves from the process of meat gathering, for example. We get our meat from the grocery store in a fucking plastic wrap, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? All cut up and cleaned, the fat trimmed, all of that. We're divorced from the process of slaughtering, bloodletting, of curing, and so on and so forth. We don't, we don't cotton with that. Maybe not a lot of us would eat some of the things that we ate if we had to deal with all the things that come along with having to consume those things or wanting to consume those things. The same goes for information. We get information all the time from secondhand sources, neatly packaged, especially in this Instagram world. That's why I don't give a fuck who watched this shit, for real. Look, I'm going to talk my shit for an hour, and I'm going to get up out of here. You know what I mean? Because that's what I do every day. I gather this information, and I want to share it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't want to share information. They want a quick bite. They want a quick snack. They don't care if it's good good form or bad form. I know. I'm a sugar junkie. We're going to talk about that, too, uh, moving into August because I'm doing a sugar detox, and it's going to be one of the most insane, hard things I ever did in my life, and I want to document that process. But what I'm saying to everybody is, is that the process of gathering information is not cute. It's not sweet. It's not pretty. Like, people who are actual doctors who spent time treating hundreds of COVID patients, they're not standing on the front of the Supreme Court yelling at cameras. 
They're taking care of the hundreds more COVID patients that still exist. They're out here doing the work, yo. Walk is walk, talk is talk, man. You know what I'm saying? And it's when you talk about being a journalist, when you talk about gathering this information here, yo, like this shit is not a game. Like to actually go out and gather the information, organize it to distribute it is one thing. And then to take it to another level, to actually go outside and do the reporting, which is something that I really am looking forward to doing a lot more of. Touching those, interviewing those subjects, touching those actual people that are impacted by all of this. When I talk about this computer story, I read it in um, DCist. A part of that story that touched me was the personal matter of that, because I have a 13-year-old son, and they talked about this lady who had a son named Avery, and he was failing at Kelly Miller Middle School. He was already behind, and he was extra failing because he wasn't able to get his hands on a laptop during this fucking pandemic. Guess my son couldn't get a laptop during this pandemic. I relate to that. If I wasn't a guy who had a MacBook, yo, this thing could have went differently. Yo, I care about what I talk about. I care about the information. I'm not divorced from the process of gathering the information. Just like the Native Americans were not divorced from the process of gathering the meat. They cared about the meat. They prayed over it. They had energy and they understand it had energy in it. I feel the same way about this information. It has energy in it. I'm giving it to you in a raw form that you can understand it. You can eat. You know what I'm saying? Because some of the things that I'm digesting is too heavy. It's too tough. But this is real life, man. This is the core report. Black Broadway presents the core report. Don't be slow. Don't listen to these people, man. Don't fall for the hook and the sinker, man. Don't go for the fucking banana in the tailpipe. We not rocking, man. You know what I'm saying? Do your research. Check out all the things that we spoke about on the show, man. And, uh, yo, we'll be back tomorrow, man. I'm looking to do a little bit of writing, so I'm going to holler at y'all on the flip side, man. I really hope to have a few more things written down that we can all consume and we can talk about moving forward, getting big and serious, man. My man Terrence Blow checking in all the way from Seoul, Korea, yo. Hey, Marie, Ash Marie, yo, I love it when you check in, man, because you know you really bring positive vibes to the show, man. Shouts to my wife again for holding down the four Black women in opera. Shout out to Queen Namka Mobamba. I gotta I gotta say it right, you know, Queen Mobamba. Yes, there you go. Listen, black women in opera, do the knowledge, do the education. Remember, things work out the best for those that make the best of the way that things work out. Black Broadway presents the core report. Yo, we going up. I'll holler at y'all on the flip side. Peace.